On today's podcast, we're going to talk about mindfulness and meditation for moms. We're going to learn how to meditate and why it's so important for us. Welcome to Feeding the Family with Dr. Kristen, where we help you navigate the challenges of feeding your family and learn about the role food plays in our health and relationships. Feeding and food relationships can be stressful, confusing, and even destructive. I'm Kristen Saxena, a pediatrician and mother of four who's been researching and sharing what I've learned about feeding for over 10 years. In this podcast, I'll share my experience and expertise to help our kids and ourselves with everyday survival tips for real parents. This podcast is about progress, not perfection. So let's get started. Welcome back to Feeding the Family with Dr. Kristen. I'm your host, Kristen Saxena. On today's uh, episode, we're talking about mindfulness and meditation for moms. We're going to talk a little bit about why it's so important, and more importantly, we're going to talk about how do we actually get it done. I'm very excited to be here with our guest today, Anthony Chavez. I met Anthony on a wellness retreat in Palm Springs this January. He guided us through simple ways we can integrate mindfulness and meditation into everyday life, and I'm very excited to have him here to share those tips with you. Anthony is the founder of Prolific Personal Development. He's a human performance coach, and he's a master yoga instructor and movement and meditation teacher. He was actually listed in Men's Health Magazine as one of the 10 best fitness trainers for home workouts on Instagram. So welcome to the show, Anthony. Of course. I couldn't be more excited to to be hanging out with you. This is great. Well, I mean, since we met at the wellness retreat, I've been very excited to have you here on the show. We did a lot of meditating and just talking about the importance of that in our lives. And I knew that your message and your teaching would be super useful to our listeners. Right on. Can, can I share with you about that retreat too? Please. Because you... You said that that was the most fun or most relaxing retreat or vacation Vacation. you'd ever been on. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, this could be a great place to start. Like we have incredibly busy lives, chasing our kids up and downstairs, drop off sports. And I love that you said that because you didn't do anything but like relaxed. You just hung out and did nothing and i think it's so important to remember as parents like just rest and relax and recharge and like that's it totally well i've said so many times like i always felt like when you have kids you don't take them on vacations you take them on trips at least as the parent Mm -hmm. it isn't a vacation it's a trip which is great trips are great but there's so many times i think most parents can relate to if you go on vacation with your kids like you're more tired almost when you come back than when you left. Totally, totally. We we went to Cabo last year. We go every year. But last year, you know, we have a we have a eight year old, a five year old, and a two year old. And the two year old was just starting to walk. You know, at that stage where everything is a death trap. <laughs> but we were so excited because our space had this big jacuzzi pool in the room and this beautiful spiral staircase. But then we get there and we're like, oh, we can't even let our hair down inside of our room because the whole place is a death trap. And so it was an adventure. And then we were so tired when we got home because all we did was make sure the kids stayed alive. Right. Yeah. So I think that that's so true. But actually, as you say that, that to me 
brings up the fact, I mean, you're right. On that trip, we literally, I mean, we went to the sessions with you. We did yoga. Mm -hmm. We did meditation. We did the sound bath. But besides that, you know, we went out to dinner. We laid by the pool. I read a Mm -hmm. book. Like, I literally did nothing. And it was fabulous. And I think that circles back to, I mean, essentially, in some ways, you can tell me because you're the expert, but meditation is a little bit of that doing nothing or sort of a stillness. And I think that almost I can think of that then is is bringing this little segment of what could be this amazing relaxing vacation. It's sort of bringing that little segment of that to every day. Nailed it. Yes. All right. Well, we're done here. I guess I got it. (laughs) Great job, team. We'll see you next time. No, you you said doing nothing. And like, Mm -hmm. really, that's it. So many people get stuck on meditation being this big thing with a lot of effort and clear your mind. And there's so many myths involved that make it like really hard to start. There's a high barrier to entry because of everything that we've learned. But really, it's just that it's doing nothing such a good analogy when you're at the pool you you watch people walk by you have a sip of whatever you read a book you take a nap but you ain't doing anything yep that's it and then to dial it in this is you know what we're going to talk about today the magic of meditating is bringing that into your life daily or multiple times a day and then you get that same little sense of being recharged and refreshed and ready to take on the world as as a mom or ready to take on the world as a partner or a business owner, it just gives you that versus let's talk about like the last couple of years where we're running on fumes and adrenaline and the hits just keep coming and we're not giving ourselves that moment to just pause. So yes, what what we did at that resort was amazing. And then also just so everyone knows, you don't have to leave your family for a week. You can do it in the comfort of your own home every morning. And I think that, you know, I feel like that retreat for me happened at just the right time in my life because meditation was something I feel like I always wanted to do or thought I should do. You read all these books and it would sound like, you know, every wonderfully successful person in in their life say, oh, I meditate. And so then you're like, well, maybe I should start doing that so I can be this, you know, wildly successful, amazing human being. But I feel like what you're saying and it really resonated with me was I I didn't really understand I think what it was so I think part of what was holding me back from being able to do it or enjoy it or reap any benefits was a sort of misconception about what I thought it was supposed to be so Mm -hmm. you said and you've told us that you meditate regularly like twice a day which Mm -hmm. I think for a lot of us that wow that sounds like are you kidding me? You're like, me? bro, time out. Right. But can you first tell us, like, what is what is that, what does meditation even mean to you? Yeah. Well, back up a little bit. There's a enmeshment of mindfulness and meditation, and they're two different things. So mindfulness is defined as bringing your awareness to the present moment. It's just like paying attention. So Notice there's effort things. there. That's how I learned what mindfulness was. Yes. I couldn't noticing. get my hand around that. And I was like, oh, it's just noticing stuff. <laughs> Correct. And, but that's it. Like noticing requires effort. So think of mindfulness as effort. And it can be giant effort. Like we did the five sense technique where you're paying attention to 
but you can smell, see, feel, taste, hear all at once. Like that's a lot of effort. Or if you've ever been in a yoga class and you're holding your body in a certain shape and you're breathing a certain way and you're looking at something, that's a mindfulness practice. Practice. So you're noticing and paying attention. Meditation, on the other hand, is defined as surrendering to the moment or letting go. So the biggest difference is one requires effort or focus. One is just letting go, like literally zoning out and releasing. It's, it's like that moment, kids are down, it's quiet, you're getting close to falling asleep. And then you're kind of in and out of consciousness and you're watching your show, but you're asleep. And it's that when there's zero effort, that's meditation. So, I mean, you say that there's a difference between this mindfulness and meditation. This was actually a question I had for you because Mm -hmm. at what point, I mean, should you be trying to do one or the other or does it matter? Because like, kind of like you said, like I actually found that very useful when you did sort of that technique where you do the five senses and sort of getting down into it, if you will. I use that, like you close your eyes and focus on like what you can hear and mm-hmm. what you can smell and what you can taste and all of these things. And I find that to be meditative or I think, you know, we're getting into the semantics of things, but, um, first of all, like, does it matter (laughs) or should I be like, should we be using that as sort of a tool to get us into another state or how does it work? I guess. Yes. And yes. And yes. All of the above. So it matters and they serve different purposes. So if we talk about just uh, mindfulness, that improves your cognitive ability like it allows you to focus it allows you to expand your field of vision so you see more so there's a lot of data that shows when you are engaged in a mindfulness practice you're smarter sharper and just better upstairs meditation on the other hand is a deep healing practice it gives you space to breathe to rest and to restore and so they're both deeply useful. And I would say combine them both. And my personal practice is both. I use meditation as an on-ramp. Sorry, I use mindfulness as an on-ramp to the meditation because that effort is like a, it's like when you're in a gym and you're doing a, a squat or a lunge and you press really hard and then you release and you have that moment of, ah, it's kind of like that. Mindfulness gets you up into that meditation, meditation space. So you can do both. Okay. And, and how do you make this transition? Things. How do you, you know, finally well, change lanes and, and get onto the, to the meditation path? It, it depends on your intention. And there's a couple of different ways to do it. Like if I were to prescribe or suggest anything, I would say do them both daily because mindfulness you can do just like you shared with us in the moment. Like if we're talking about sitting down and looking at the food, you can take a breath get in your body. This is one of my favorite mindfulness practices, and it's to look at the food, to see it, to consider the textures, the color, where it came from, to just get really present with it. And then that slows you down and it's bringing all of your mental faculties online. And then when you taste it, can you taste the difference where the flavors hit the different parts of your mouth and your tongue. And like, that's a deeply mindfulness practice. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Just like kissing, right? Like, Ooh. yeah. 
feeding the family. I guess we, we got to kiss in order to get a family at some point. Yeah, so, right. That was probably involved. You've done this at some point. <laughs> yeah. Like you don't kiss with your eyes open, like looking around and thinking about stuff. If you do, please stop doing yeah, that. That's super creepy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My wife and I watched the bachelor and one of the last bachelors did that. And like, they just totally got roasted on social, but it was funny. I'm going to anyway. totally try that, by the way. Now I'm going to be. <laughs> <laughs> try it as an experiment. It'll change the experience of the kiss. Um, but it, the point is like you close your eyes because you're, you're feeling you're deeply present. Like you're just there. There's nothing else that exists. So that's mindfulness. So you mm-hmm. can do it with your dinner, with your meal. Um, just when you're with your children and you look at their precious little faces or hold their hands, it gives you opportunities to stop and to pause but it also does for me on like a i don't know spiritual or emotional level is that it gives me more and more memories yes. so this is something that yes okay it's not talked about in like meditation and mindfulness but every time you slow down enough to be there you remember the great kisses you remember the meals or they're holding holding their hands you remember that and yes. so I think that's my biggest why, because I don't, I don't want to get to the end of this life and like not have any memories or have a big giant bank of them. I don't want to have regrets. So this is a long ass answer to your question. Like where mindfulness comes in, I think you can do it all the time. And the more and more you get used to doing it, the more and more present you become the, again, the smarter, the sharper, but you just, your life becomes fuller and richer because you're present for more of it. Yes, this to- this totally answered kind of another one of my questions, which was why should parents do this? But this speaks to me so much because honestly, my entire motivation for even really personally deep diving into this had to do with the memories piece because I mm. felt like I didn't have the memories I wish I had from even like when my kids were super small or even from my own childhood. I felt like I don't I don't pull these memories the way that I would like to. And I think a lot of it had to do with this sort of if your mind is in this constant like future focus or to do list, you're not present in the moment and making those memories. And so somehow I finally came to terms with the fact, I think it's just, I wasn't present in the moment because I was constantly just, you know, this, and that's easy to get into that, especially when kids are small and you know, always you're, everyone needs something at all times. And so it's easy to get into that. But as I got in, I realized, well, you have to be mindful of the present to make it a memory, really. And that's all you have at the end of your life. And I was like, oh, my gosh, you know, I have to figure this out. And so then I was like, all right, I think it's about being mindful. And I was like, well, what the hell does that mean? I don't know how to do that. And that's where I had to dumb it down for myself. And and I um, see a therapist and he was like, well, really being mindful is just noticing things. So he mm-hmm. gave me a little assignment that was like, well, go sit outside and just do nothing, which, of course, you know, for me, like that alone, I was like, for how long do I have to do this? Do nothing. <laughs> I'm like, wasting my time. I've it's got giving a big me list. anxiety. Yes. So but I did it. I would just sit outside and I was like holy shit, like, you know, like birds are cool. Like, how do they fly like that all together? Like all of these crazy things. But what the skill that I got from doing that 
intentionally game that I learned how to turn it on in moments. So it's mm-hmm. not like I live my life constantly in the moment and I'm still making lists and mind's wandering, whatever, Correct. but I can go, it's a skill that I we can e- turn it's a, it's it on. It's an exercise. It's mm-hmm. a muscle that we exercise. That's exactly right. And you nailed it. Like we can talk about some tips and tools and practices because they are honestly easy. We just aren't taught that. And back to the top of the conversation, when we think about somebody meditating, we think about like the person in the top of the Himalayas, like eyes closed, big beard, like it, it doesn't have to be that. Yeah. So I guess there's another reason to the why too. Let's hear it. Leaves my mind. Okay. So number one, it's more memories, more present, more life. The other side, and I really, you know, as a as a dad of little ones, it's more capacity. I think this might even be a. I don't want to say bigger. They're equally important more capacity to deal with life. So my meditation teacher, her name is Emily Fletcher. Uh, She calls it adaptation energy. Like, you know, when you've had the day that was kind of off and you got a late start and the kids are going crazy and you're not checking your to-do list and then your meeting goes sideways, you're just constantly being tugged at as, as a mom. Like there's always somebody hanging on you. And the day goes on and you skip lunch and you're just like running on coffee. And then you get to the end of the day and I don't know, one of the kids drops a, a plate and, and, it, and it breaks. And, and then that's when we lose it, right? And you yell at them and then you kick the dog and it's just a big deal. And that's a, a direct result of having a lack of adaptation energy and or what I call just capacity to to be on the other hand you've probably had a situation like that where somebody dropped something or something broke but you were feeling really full and good and present and you're like yeah you know we'll we'll go get another it's just not that big of a deal so when i look at my life and all the moments when i was too stressed out or being tugged in too many directions and was low on that adaptation energy it looks like you know snapping at the kids or, or, or being short with my wife or just not showing up to my full capacity and missing the moments. So they're really hand in hand. Can I gather all these beautiful moments, be present, but then also have space in my body and my brain to not lose it when things go wrong. So then that's where our other regrets come from, right? Totally. You're totally right. And so I guess then to me, and correct me if I'm wrong, it seems like sort of there's this mindfulness piece and the meditation piece. And the mindfulness piece, mm-hmm. again, I have to, you know, simplify everything, but seems to be helping us to collect these memories in these moments and be present. Whereas mm-hmm. the meditation, are you kind of saying this is what's creating this sort of inner sense of calm and adaptability or talk me through that piece a little bit more is that more the meditation piece would you yes it would fall under the bucket of restore healing of rest of plugging in recharging plugging the phone in at night that's that's exactly it and there's some really cool studies on like how sleep affects rest of your body and brain and how meditation affects rest of your body and brain. And it's almost this complete cycle of a more deeper rest. Yeah. And I don't have it all, so I'm not going to cite it, but, uh, when you're doing both, you're getting rest for your brain as well as your body on a more complete level, I guess is the 
best way to say it. So, you know, so much has been said about getting a full good night's sleep Mm -hmm. and like society is really catching up to that. Like, Oh yeah. If I don't sleep, my body doesn't recover my protein synthesis. Like there's a lot of things that don't happen when you don't sleep. So meditation is the other piece of that. So to answer your question, it's like healing, restful, nourishing. And that's why I use the word capacity because when you're really well fed, when you're happy and when you're rested, we can just take on the world. And when the world goes sideways, we're ready for it. We're more stable versus when we're not, that's when we blow apart and, mm-hmm. you know, fall apart. So, right. I think, I mean, it is. I think you're hitting the nail on the head. It sounds like you have all the answers because when you look back, you're like, all I really wanted to do was like be present and enjoy the moment with my kids and not lose my shit. You know what I mean? Like at the end of the day, you're like, I could be happy. Those are exactly right. Those are usually the regrets that you have at the end of the day. If you're like, oh. And they never really did anything that bad. Like, they, you know, they beat each other up. They do kid things. But like, it's nothing so bad that we lose it. Yeah. But then it's part of a bigger conversation. We're teaching them all the time. Like who we're being Mm. as parents, what we're demonstrating, how we react is is what they're learning more so than the words so i'm like just really present with that because if they see mom and dad meditating or taking our time with food or practicing gratitude or they see dad like being emotional Mm -hmm. when you practice gratitude i don't know if you've done this like it's just i get really teary-eyed because i'm so in love with what my life has given me but they see dad with a full range of emotions. They see that we take time to breathe and to be still. They see us less react. And nobody's perfect. Like we're always a hot sure. mess, but then we're always doing our best, but like less reactive and more, more present. So they're learning that as, as a, not a side effect, geez, the ripple. Yeah. Like so far we've been talking about how it affects us as parents, mm-hmm. but then really these little beans can you imagine if we learned how to meditate or be mindful when we were kids yeah well and i think that even at least at my kids school they're starting to introduce that kind of language Mm. and practice and so that i think is a little bit of a benefit that they will have because i think it's starting to become more of just the normal vernacular for them whereas for us as adults we're all and and the beautiful part is I think kids already have those skills. They're they're born with them to a certain oh. extent and we or probably to a complete extent. And we as adults are all I think just trying to retrieve them from somewhere where we Bingo. once had them. So nailed it. I've been I calling it like the great remembering. Like my yes. my work as a coach and as a teacher and as a speaker is just to help people remember who we were and we get to remember our future. So yeah. we're just peeling off all the stuff that's gotten in the way. And you're right. Yeah, toddlers are such a great example. Uber present, direct, <laughs> no filter of the emotions. <laughs> like, okay, you've got it. We just need to put some boundaries on so you don't, you know, do that as an adult. But totally. Like, how many times have you been with like a toddler and they just like cry and flail on the floor because they don't want to go where where yeah. you're going? And I've many times thought, like, I wish I could do that. <laughs> I, know. I don't want to either. <laughs> here's where like the capacity and the adaptation energy comes in because they're screaming, right? Going crazy. But then just like that, they're back to happy again. Right. 
like you in an exactly instant right. they're like oh my god okay i'm here it's over that right so back to the benefits of for us as meditators and as mindfulness practitioners is that we compress that time mm -hmm. to get back to who we are because again we still get mad we still have emotions we still like our boneheads sometimes and then cool okay boom so instead of being in a fight with your partner for a week what's yeah. wrong nothing i'm fine and you do that whole it's just oh, like guilty <laughs> totally you totally. get back there quicker that's what they teach us well, so I want to quick circle back to one thing you said that was talking about a gratitude practice. And I also mm -hmm. want to um, let you know or something that you talked about during our retreat was sort of this like five minute journal gratitude practice. And yes. I had heard of that before. I don't. Isn't there somebody this is like their book or somebody came up with this? Yeah, as a I actually journal. have it right here. It's called uh the five minute journal. Per so but and that poor guy turns out I've been doing it without the book. So. Uh, but go, basically, go buy a few and pass them out yeah, right. Well, well <laughs> but the takeaway I got was it and correct me again if I'm wrong, but it, the the daily task was that you would write down three things I'm grateful for today, kind of specific mm -hmm. things, not just like the world is great. I'm great and whatever. But, you know, it could be very specific things like I like the way the birds sound outside in the morning or something um, yeah. that. And then what would make today amazing? And that just kind of helps you hone in on like, if I d get nothing else done or do nothing today, let's prioritize this. And then like an affirmation for yourself, which is mm -hmm. usually for me the same thing, unless it's a day in particular that I need something else. Um, and so, and then I believe you're supposed to do the same thing at night, but I'll be honest that that one never happens for me. But at most days, so it doesn't even take me five minutes usually to write that down. No. And, um, I love that. I think it's such an excellent way to start your day. And it literally probably takes three, four minutes, three minutes. at most. Five yeah. is generous. <laughs> I think I think it's been the single most important practice that I've picked up um, that has like really changed the course of how I view the world, how I feel, how I respond, how I react. And then in like real life performance, too, because I have more of myself available. You know, we can talk about how terrible cortisol is pumping through your body all day and how it basically just limits your ability to function and or makes you dumber. <laughs> but then when you're in a right, like you just we could just keep it at that. When you're in a state of gratitude and you're practicing mindfulness, you're filling your body with the hormones that actually make you smarter and again they help you heal and they give you deep rest so you're just filling the tank and growing the tank but then you begin to see the world in a different way as well there's just less what's a good example i mean when you're happy when you're just having the best time of your life it's really hard to knock you off of that because yep. you can get bad news things can fall and you're just like cool we'll figure it out when you're not in that space and you're, you know, pumped with cortisol and you're just like chronically, ugh, you don't have it underneath the hood to deal with it. And it looks like, you know, yelling at the kids or yelling at your partner or just it looks like regret. Totally. And I agree. I mean, I think especially doing that at the beginning of the day, it just it kind of starts you out on the right foot. All positive mm -hmm. things like I've thought positive things about my life. I've thought about 
there's something that I could actually do that's going to just crush today. I'm going to be great. And then I've given myself a few random compliments. Like what, what a great way to start the day. Right. It's so great. I know. That's, so that's the best thing about all of this. Like we're the ones living our life. There's yep. nobody else in here. It's just us. So why not make it a really fun and pleasant place to be? Even with all the other folks who live in your head with you all the mm -hmm. time, like why not? Why not? Why not? Life is going to go. Time is going to go. You know, we get really hyper-focused on the results of our life, which is important, but then there's, there's so much space in between the results. So let's, let's have a good time. It also, as a parent, um, brings a real big intentionality to, to being a parent. If you simply give yourself that reminder to be present with your kids and to love those little faces, then you're going to do it. Our brains, and you know this, are they're incredible. They're like these hyper supercomputers. And then what's good slash bad about it is our brains don't know the difference between right, wrong, good, or bad. They'll just do what we tell them. So why not tell them the good stuff? Yeah. Because that's where, that's where we'll go. I'm with but on you. the other hand, like you say, when you wake up and you open your phone and you're looking at like the state of the world or you're just filling yourself with this stuff that isn't supportive, then that's where your brain is going to go. That's where your thoughts are going to go. Then your kids are going to jump in the bed and be all happy. And, and you'll be like, you'll be like, oh, I'm so busy. Like, the world's falling uh, apart. Uh, like, yes, totally. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And it doesn't change what's happening in the world. But again, it allows you to be a better version of you so that you can actually be of service where you can in the world. That's, that's I love what it's it. about. Okay. So, I want to get to like the how to's of all of this. Right. So I figure, okay. you know, I'm, I'm a mom, I'm listening to this. You're like, Oh, I'd love to be present and start my day off feeling great. You know, heal myself. That all sounds all well and good, Anthony, but how the hell am I supposed to do this? Like how, what are your recommendations or tips for someone who has never meditated before? How do they get started? Okay. Couple of ways. There's some great apps that are available. Calm, Headspace, mindfulness app great place to start. You just have your phone, put your headphones in and they're varying lengths from like two minutes all the way up to 30. Some of them are an hour. So you can do that. Practices though. And we'll talk about, we'll actually do one together. I'll lead us all I'm through pumped. this really cool meditation. Wait. So if you're listening to this while you're driving, like don't do it, but <laughs> wait till you get home. Um, it's getting intentional with your schedule. Uh, so my best practice is to just wake up a little earlier than, you know, when the kids are going to come running into the room and I know you're like, I don't want to wake up earlier, but it's as little as five minutes or as 10. So we're not talking about, you know, getting up at 4am and hiking the mountain. Like, no, no, no. Just give yourself five more minutes and then you can stay in your bed sit up close your eyes and breathe do you have to sit up i'm a lay down meditator you don't have to sit yes. up you don't have to do anything yes okay <laughs> so you can lay down you don't have to have like any fancy fingers or mudras you could you can lay down the only caveat with uh, laying down is that you might fall back asleep and if you fall asleep that's fine because you're resting just be aware of that so yeah, I like to sit up so I don't fall asleep. But um, that would be practice number one. The other one would be to use the restroom. So 
But this again, mom oh. and dad tip. I love know. it. You, you lock the door, mommy, go to the bathroom and you just sit there for five minutes and do your practice. I love it. That's it's, brilliant. Yeah, Cause like that was my joke today. during COVID is I used to work in the bathroom cause it was the <laughs> right? only place I could do like a zoom meeting where people mm-hmm. wouldn't walk in. You remember like when everyone was home all the time yeah. and I would just, oh people goodness. would be like, are you in your bathroom? I'm like, this is my only choice. <laughs> this is all but, I got. I other one, it. shower. I so, think this is a book. You should call it like bathroom meditations. <laughs> we should. Yeah. Ba- hacks for parents. There's one sacred space left is the restroom. But uh, when you take a shower too, and yes. a shower is cool because it has a combo of, it's a, it's a deeply mindful, it could be a big mindfulness practice because you can feel the heat of the water on your body. Like just get really present to what it feels like your feet on the ground when you're washing yourself. That is another pack that you can use. And most of us are showering every day. Sometimes we don't again, mom and dad life. We get it. Um, other parent hack for meditation is washing the dishes and, or even when you're just getting them into the, what is the thing called? The dishwasher. Mm-hmm. Kids are not going to bother you for the most part. They don't want to help. Depending <laughs> <laughs> on it's their easy age. time to get left alone. <laughs> yep. So you feel the heat and the soap on your hands. You get really present with it and intentional with the wiping and the putting in. But so much of like these practices that we're talking about, they just require you to be present, like we've mm-hmm. shared, to pay attention or to notice. And they also require you to breathe deeper. So you can just stop and move to like a four or a six second inhale, like breathe in four, three, two, one, exhale, four, three, two, one, put the thing in. And at a very minimum, you need two minutes a day. That's it. So between bathroom breaks, waking up early, taking a shower, doing the dishes, the moment after drop off is done and you get into the driveway and before you walk into your house and before well, you, like, you said that was get like on one your of your meeting. secrets for squeezing in like a second afternoon one was kind of that like driveway. And I, I believe mm-hmm. I can't imagine there's not a parent out here that hasn't circled the you know the the house or just sat in the car for like two minutes like even Mm -hmm. if it was probably not doing something as beneficial as meditating but i think it was like i just need my like little facebook instagram fix or whatever totally Mm -hmm. that that's exactly it though chris and we just get intentional about it i mean there's so many funny memes that were you know car time is like sacred time totally but instead of not even instead I want to make this as easy and accessible as possible. So not even instead of scrolling, because there's a, I can scroll all the time. Like I got to keep up with with the gossip. I got to laugh. I got to like see who's doing what. (laughs) But two minutes first of just breathing. And I like to put a hand on my heart. So like there's this physical anchor, big breath in to start. And then then I'll do that four second count that I just did. Inhale for four, three, two, one. Exhale, four, three, two, one. Like four or five rounds. And it elicits this sensation of calm. Your shoulders drop, you get heavier in the seat, and you're like, okay, I can do this. 
let me see what's going now on. Now we'll here. see. And now I'll get, get my cortisol back up. Check the internet. Yeah, then you balance it out. Right. Well, but I think that that speaks a lot because I think that as I talked especially to people I know, these were the questions they had. And I think that that mm-hmm. answered it. First of all, you know, they were saying, you know, can can I do this while doing other things? You know, in the sense of, yeah, like the shower or the sort of sitting in the bathroom. You know, there's mm-hmm. things I've seen that are sort of like these running meditations and things of that nature. I mean, the question I think we all have is like, do, does this count? Is this real meditation? And so. Great question. This is where so many of us get, get messed up because mm-hmm. we've only, not only, for the most part, all of the meditation and mindfulness practices that have been shared with us have been designed for people who've chosen a monastic lifestyle. Mm -hmm. So that's why we have these images of people in the robes and like not moving a muscle and being perfectly still for hours because they've chosen that. And that's great. We're not that we're chasing kids. We're going to the store. We're like doing drop-offs and sports and cooking and homework and everything so we are technically considered householders like we live in the world so to answer your question yes it counts because of who we are it's like saying we'd have to follow the same rules as somebody who you know chose a religious lifestyle and they're they have a role like a priest or a father or something like that yeah we're just different uh and then what's super super cool about all the the research and the data that has come out is that physiologically you're still getting the benefit in your body. And for me, that's what hits home because I'm going to be honest. I don't care about being a good meditator. I don't care about being good at yoga. I care about being a good dad and a good partner and a good boss. Like I care about that. Yeah. So that's what matters to me. Well, and I think that speaks to all the feedback I would get from my friends was You know, should I keep doing this even though I'm bad at it? Or when does it start working? Like these kind of things. And I I feel like it's more the misconception that we feel like it's something something else that we should be doing or something uh, that you are, are good or bad at. Because I think that we have different expectations of what it should look like or feel like maybe. Or what do you think? Can you be bad at it? I don't think so. I really don't think so. You can't be bad at mindfulness because that's like you said, paying attention and noticing and that, that just gets better and deeper as you go. You really can't be bad at meditation unless you consciously choose to follow a thought. So let me break that down a little bit. There's a difference between meditation and contemplation. We all get what that is. You have an idea and you start to engage and you think about it and you plan and you strategize like, Okay, now you're not meditating. You're just like thinking. But that's normal, right? Until you like recognize what you're doing and pull back or no? I mean. Yeah. Yes. And yes. That's I'll what I've told it. myself to meditation. Like myself. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. yeah. So if you, if you sit with the intention to just be and to allow yourself to surrender to the moment and you'll have thoughts, it's impossible to not think. I mean, think about it for a second. Yeah. Like people, oh, I think too much. I'm bad at meditation. Like, well, if we could control our thoughts, we'd all be happy all the time and we'd all be wildly successful because we'd only do the things that matter. Like, it's just not like make your heart stop beating. <laughs> it, it, it just, it's one of those things. So 
I don't know why we, we think we can stop our thoughts. So you see them come and you're like, hey, thought, or like you have a little bit of engagement, but then you bring yourself back to just breathing and noticing. And it's like your example earlier of watching the birds and they're pretty and they have a great song and then they fly away and you're just still chilling on your porch. You still get the benefits of the healing and the rest and the focus, more accessibility to flow state. Like you get all of that by doing that. It's just when you consciously are aware and you're like, I'm having a thought. I know I'm sitting and meditating, but I'm going to go ahead and like consciously choose to think about this thought. Then I would say you're now you're off the ranch. Okay. Well, and I think then that that maybe is reassuring to people because people are always, you know, my mind still wanders and it's hard to quiet my mind, but the mind wandering part is normal. And so it's really just once you've wait, kind of, you kind of have that moment where you notice. So if you know your mind wanders, then you're noticing, noticing at some point that this is happening and it's just saying, I'm going to just and that, not let that's that how you know go. it's working though. Yeah. Cause I want to answer that question. Like how, how long or how do I know it's working? Yeah. If you sit and meditate once, you might not notice anything. Mm-hmm. You'll feel actually, you'll feel calmer if you're breathing, like you'll feel more relaxed and more present. But all of this cognitive performance and capacity and adaptation energy, you won't notice after one sit. But if you can start to notice those moments where you're like, oh, I'm thinking, come back. That's it. That's how you know that you're more present. And you're not lost in the thought over time after a couple of weeks i would say two-ish tenant days like it's not very long you'll start to notice more space life will slow down you'll feel like you're noticing more and more of the subtle in between missing things but give it a Give it 10 or so days. And then in an ideal world, I'd say a month mm-hmm. so that it becomes like a real habit. But you'll notice after about a week and a half, 10-ish days. To me, another like transition I noticed is, like I've said in the past, I've tried to do this and I've been mm-hmm. very rigid about it, thinking like I should do this, I have to do this. And I think I more recently as I've as I would say, I feel like it's working. What happens now is it's, I don't have to be so rigid about it because it's something I want. Like it, it's like you almost are like bummed if, if you miss, you are bummed if you miss a day. It's like you would rather, you start to like self-prioritize it. And when it's, when you're doing it, you actually are like, oh, I wish I could just stay here and do this for like an hour. Yep. So it doesn't become a chore and it doesn't become something I'm like, well, I better make myself do this. Like a a chore it's like ah uh, you know I, I can't wait to go into the bathroom and hide out for two minutes so i can do my yeah. meditation because it's like that's fun <laughs> nailed it nailed it like that's exactly it when i miss now i don't feel as sharp or as present i feel like i'm actually missing something but you but don't this feel is how we go guilty from... like you didn't do what no supposed to do. no not at all uh And that might feel like that in the beginning, like you said, but for me, it's how do we go from distress to peace and then from peace to performance? And that's in all the areas of our life. So I notice it now because it's after years of doing it that I don't 
I'm not as good as I can be. But if you're in a place where you're just starting, what you'll notice is just more peace, more steadiness. And ah, you're so right. Once you're doing it, you crave it. It feels good. But back to like living your life. If you're doing it every day and you know that it just feels better and you come out and you're happier and you're more engaged with your family and you're creating more memories and you are not as reactive, it like compounds and validates the action. Because a lot of times people, we're, we're, okay, we're busy. We are busy people. And they're like, AC, you do this twice a day. You carve out 20 minutes twice a day. Like, what do you not have a job? And I'm like, <laughs> I got four kids. I'm running two businesses. Uh, I'm an ultra endurance athlete. Like I've got a lot going on, but that's where I get the energy and the space to do it. Mm-hmm. When I don't do it, that's when it's like, too much espresso, all of the other things that we try to use to keep us here that actually just detract us, mm-hmm. right? We start talking about the sugary drinks and, and being underhydrated and, and you know, you know, you know what happens when we're in that space. So it's, uh, it's just as important for me as brushing your teeth and hanging out. Totally. Well, all that talk about food, uh, transitioned me too. you know, when, when we got together in Palm Springs, I know we talked, I knew I loved you because you, you liked to eat and drink and have a good time. Um, I do. and so <laughs> we, um, talked a little bit though about how all of these ideas and practices can sort of translate to our time with our family, including family meals. So talk to me a little mm-hmm. bit about how these practices relate to family mealtime at the Chavez house. Okay. So what we try to do as often as we can is start every dinner mornings are <laughs> we're surviving, right? <laughs> get, get dressed, go. but dinner, we start with gratitude. So what, and gratitude isn't necessarily what are you grateful for today? It's like, what was your favorite part of the day? What was your biggest win? What did you love about today? And we also say, what are you grateful for? And then we pause and this is before we eat and we just share with each other. So the food is out, we're looking at it. My wife or I will typically always include in, in one of our gratitude shares, gratitude for the meal itself. But we go around and it gets us in this really sweet space of seeing each other and of being together and of rooting down to enjoy the meal together. I'm also of the belief that gratitude is the vehicle for love. It's how we give and receive and experience this big word of love by giving and receiving gratitude. So it's this big love fest that that we'll have. And it's just really fun to have an intentional conversation around the meal with our kids. And again, the, the ones who are in the house, five, eight, five, and two, and even the little two-year-old says whatever he says, but he participates and he gets it. So that's, that's one big way. And then we do gratitude in the morning and not around the meal, just what are you most excited about today? So we kind of follow that five minute journal when we can, like, what are you looking forward to today? Today, Sage had a crazy hat day. So she was all excited. Oh, that stuff's like the yeah. best. It is. But she started her day in this, you know, really open, loving state. I love that because I think as we do these things as parents a lot of time, and we talked about this, I think even before 
the show started, but how, you know, a lot of the things, the mindfulness and this sort of just like intuitive experience children have inherently. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you, by example, are kind of helping them to like retain those skills throughout their life. Whereas a lot of us as adults, like we said, we're, we're trying to relearn it or sort of recapture mm-hmm. that. But I do think I love this idea of the gratitude practice that you instill, you know, in your mornings and around your evening mealtimes, because I don't know that that's necessarily something that is as inherent, um, just in life. And so I love that idea. First of all, cause we always talk about at family meals, you know, it isn't, it's more than about the food. It's about this experience mm-hmm. and coming together. And so having these sort of rituals that make it a positive experience are really what make the meal. And so what better than to like introduce that gratitude practice into something that becomes a ritual, a positive ritual for your family. And then I always think some of these things I learn, it's not always easy to translate, you know, and to tell, if you tell your child, like in the morning, you're going to write down three things that you're grateful for. And they're going to be like, (laughs) you know, like I I don't need any more homework. Thanks mom. But that idea, yeah, just sitting, you know, even I drive my kids to school and just to say like, all right, what was everybody most excited for today? Um, That's it. That's it. That just is bringing that to your kids. And I love that. So what I love too about the meal part is that we're consciously or subconsciously setting up our kids to, like you said, be connected, but enjoy the ritual of eating. There's a lot of, a lot of people, a lot of us have interesting relationships with foods that, you know, negatively impact us from nutrition to how we view our bodies there's, there's just a lot that's happening, especially with social media now and filters. So part of my intention is that if I can have the kids associate mealtime with love, with connection, with family, with head, heart, and soul nourishing, then A, I think the food's just going to, you know, get in there better. But as they grow up, they won't I think they'll be more protected against some of some of the stuff that we're having to deal with. So it's a little bit of that, too. And I think that I mean, that's backed up by research. And I think that that's that's the core of why the family meal does all the things that it does, because it's hard Mm -hmm. to believe in some ways that it's like just by sitting down together and doing this, all of these outcomes, you know, these great outcomes become more likely. But I think you you nailed it in terms of describing like what that really does and why it's, Mm -hmm. you know, the nourishment is so much more than just the food. Yeah. Yeah. Like all those blue zone studies are awesome and there's like different foods, but I'm like, actually what they all have in common is community connection, camaraderie, love, family. Cause some of what they're eating are like opposite. Totally different. So like, no, I mean, yeah, we're not eating sugar constantly, but there are some sweets. It's about this connectivity and intentionality. And then we layer in the right foods on top of it. And okay, now we can live for a long time and be healthy and vibrant. I love it. Okay. Well, I want to make sure we have time because this is like a special little gem that you're giving us. You're going to guide us all through a short meditation so we can all get a feel for how easy and wonderful this is, right? Perfect. Okay. Okay. So tell me, tell me what to do. All right. So first things first, get comfortable and we're okay on time. I mean, I'm not going anywhere. (laughs) Right. Uh, 
get comfortable in your body. So if you're listening at home, I'll, I'll just guide you through this as if you were with me. You can sit any way you like. You can lay down. Just be comfortable. And then if it works for you, close your eyes. If that doesn't work, just tighten your gaze. And begin to notice the flow of your breath. Notice the natural rhythm and cadence. And then let the heaviness of your bones just sink into your chair or into your cushion or your bed. Take a big breath in. Slow, open mouth exhale. Breathe in for four, three, two, one. Slight pause, exhale, four, three, two, one. Inhale, four, three, two, one. Exhale, four, three, two, one. Breathe in, two, one. Exhale. Two. One. Last time. Breathe in. Breathe out. Keep your body still and your eyes closed and notice. Allow yourself to come back to a natural cadence of breath. <clears throat> Begin to give yourself the sensation of falling asleep while sitting. To so take off every bit of effort, anything you're holding on to, and just allow yourself to be. starts to get a little loud the best reset is to simply take a big breath in and out and we'll be here for a few moments just notice your head nods. It's okay if you come in and out of consciousness. Remember, there's no wrong way to do this. And bring your awareness to your body and notice how your shoulders have released. Pay attention to how the muscles are on your face, your nose, your eyes have relaxed. But there's this beautiful sense of calm that has overtaken your body. 
from this place of stillness, open your heart to one person, one person who you're really, really grateful to have in your life. See their face, see their smile, hear their voice. And then allow yourself to bathe in gratitude. And think of all the ways in which they've supported you or made you laugh, or have just been there for you over the course of your life. And then with this as the foundation, think about one thing you would love to accomplish today that would just make today amazing. And see yourself doing it with joy, with precision, with excellence. And place a hand on your heart. You can use your hand as a physical anchor. Dip your chin to your chest and tell yourself, thank you, me. <laughs> and slowly open your eyes and here we go. <laughs> How'd it feel? How'd it feel? That was amazing. How do you feel right now, like in your body, in your brain, in your heart? Just super calm, super rested. Happy. Good, good. Happy, that's Happy. it. Happy, calm, and rested. Mm -hmm. it, awesome. Like the dream of every parent ever. <laughs> yeah, right? If you Happy, could only be calm, three and rested. <laughs> Just do this all okay. day. I'm so glad because that was only. I think it was about five minutes, maybe six. It was like really short. And I'm glad that we actually got to do that because again, it's, you don't need 20 minutes. You don't need an hour. You don't need an ashram. Like, can you sneak away to the restroom or the shower or get up a few minutes earlier and just breathe deep, let your mind rest and be like, you know what? I'm grateful for this. And this is what I'm going to get today. I want to know who you're grateful for actually. Oh, I thought about my husband. Oh, for sure. Shakar, you I met him. Love that you dude. understand I love why that I'm so grateful yeah. for him. I did. Yeah. <laughs> he he was a highlight for me. He was awesome. He's fun. He's amazing. Good. Well, so then how did it feel in your body when you were in that space of gratitude? Oh, I mean, it was just like very warm and comfortable <clears throat> and joyful. I feel like mm -hmm. that's it. It was. It was almost like childlike in and of itself. You're just kind of. There you go. We're remembering. Virtual you said struggles. it yeah. before the podcast and during that uh, you believe we were born with, with all of this mm -hmm. inside of us. So it's just a practice to come back. I love it. And Thank you so much. Ready to take on the day. Of Thank course. you, Anthony. So how, if our listeners want to, you know, get more of Anthony Chavez, what's the best way? I mean, they, they've done it. They did your meditation. They're like, I'm sold. Okay. Where do, where do they find way. you? Two ways. Uh, number one, social is probably the easiest way because of the level of engagement. So it's at Anthony Chavez Yoga. It's the easiest way to find me. And then I also have a website. It's prolificpersonaldevelopment.com. And then I guess we can kind of announce it now, coming in the next couple of months. If you're in the Denver area, I am opening a 
integrated wellness concept that will include a movement studio to move your body. It'll include coaching and chiropractic and massage and, and even traditional therapy. And then we've also got a, got a great cup of coffee that we'll put in your hand and send you out with. So that's coming soon. More to come on that. But for now, uh, at Anthony Chavez Yoga and or prolific personaldevelopment.com. Amazing. And we'll get all that information out for our listeners. But thank you so much for joining us today. Of course. My absolute pleasure. We should do this again. Absolutely. Talk to you soon. (laughs) 